You look good in pink. This is Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net, and it is time for Grief Belief, a podcast where we discuss grief, getting through our grief, and um, sometimes we talk about other things that sort of make us happy. And today, Christy is going to be leading us off, and uh, we are missing a member. Our member, Carol, is um, home nursing um, some ill feelings right now, so we hope she'll be better. And But in the meantime, the four of us are going to be led by Christy, so welcome. Thank you. So, okay, we've got to celebrate. Ready? Oh, I love it. <laughs> it is the one-year anniversary of Grief Believe. Oh, you guys believe yeah. it? Isn't it so exciting? I can't believe it's been a year already, um, but it's been so much fun. Uh, I, I'm so excited. I just kind of, what I'm hoping to do today is for the first half, um, I just kind of want to recap the year a little bit and ask some, ask everybody on our panel some questions about the past year. And then for the second half, what I'd like to do, I talk about the death deck all the time. <laughs> you would think they're paying me, but they're not. <laughs> um, and so we're going to play the death deck today. We're going to play the death deck today. We have to change a little bit, but I'm so excited. And if our listeners have not heard me talk about the death deck yet, hang on, stick in there with us because we're going to play it at the end. And um, I'm really excited about that. So, all right, are you ready for this? This is an overcap of kind of what we've done this year. So we have talked about everything from acknowledging our grief without judgment or shame to surviving grief through the holidays to what to say or expect when someone's dying, um, to what stays and what doesn't stay when we lose somebody. Um, what we've, we've also talked about anticipatory grief and um, the changes that we experience during grief, as well as a number of other things. Um, but we've also had some amazing guest speakers that have just been really open and shared their hearts and um, shared their lives with us and our listeners and really helped us um, just gain some perspective and different uh, different perspective on grief and how to walk through it. Um, so it's just been an amazing year. I think it's been so much fun. Um, a, a year of like growing and, and learning and hopefully continuing to walk through grief with just being gentle with ourselves and then gentle with our fellow grievers because the reality is a hundred percent of us are grievers so um that's like our year in a very quick overview but there's a lot more than that so if you have the listeners out there if you have not listened to our grief belief podcast please go back and listen to them because there's some really great information there so in light of it being our one-year anniversary what i want to do is just ask our panel here some questions about the past year and just see what you have to say. So I'm gonna start it off with a first question and whoever would like to start, just start talking and then just hand it off to someone else. You can raise your hand if you want to, if that's easier to keep things organized, um, we can do it that way. So my first question is, what have you learned and, and or how have you grown over the last year from the podcast itself or from being on the podcast? So what have you learned? How have you, how have you grown? over the past year. Yes, Candace. How much we have in common and how everybody's grief is different. So it's the the juxtaposition of 
both of those things and um just the way we approach grief as grief you know counselors um whatever uh, we call ourselves and um the variety of forms of grief that we see how, and how different people handle it differently so allison what about you i would say the thing that i've learned is that one of one of the most rich and incredible things about this podcast is that we all have grieved and also serve people who grieve and um we come at it through our own life perspective, but from different angles. So because we've lived the lives we've lived ourselves, um, we, we look at it and talk about it in different ways. So there's that common thread, but there's also something for everybody here because each of us are different people looking through a different life. And so even if you don't resonate with one of us or another of us, there's someone here that you're going to listen to and go, oh, yeah, that is also true for me. And the other thing that's really in common with all of us is a real commitment to giving ourselves and urging people who are grieving to give themselves grace and peace that everybody grieves differently and it's okay it's actually exactly what's meant to be happening and so normalizing what grief is that everybody grieves so that people can be at peace with this state that everybody will go through you know as i listen to you say that allison um I guess I, I have a big apology here and it's not to you guys, but it's to my niece because when my mother was dying, my I felt that my niece was being very dramatic and it upset me because I kept thinking, I'm the daughter, you're the granddaughter. And it's taken me seven years or six years working with all of you to realize that she had her own grief and it wasn't for me to make those judgments back then. And I've learned that from all of you. Um, I, and I learned from my mistake being judgmental at the time. I wasn't really very nice to her either. And so I think it's really important for all of us just to realize that we all have different connections and those connections are what's going to make our grief unique for us. What about you, Christy? Well, I have two answers. First of all, I learned how to be on a podcast because I had never done that before. <laughs> so, and I'm still learning. I don't really know what I'm doing, but um, that's been a lot of fun. And second of all, I, the first thing that I thought of when um, I thought of this question was something very specific that just jumped out at me. Candace, I think it was the month, one of the months you led. And it was the idea that we have to be really careful um, to make sure that we, when, when we're with somebody who's either grieving 
or um, somebody who may have a terminal illness to make sure that we're not we're not putting more pressure on them to make us feel better. And I think I knew this on some level, but it was really hit me hard when you were leading that, that uh, podcast and there was a, an article about it. And it was just really significant to me that, you know, I think we say things with, with good intentions. I mean, really, we don't, we don't want to hurt anybody. Not realizing that some of the things that we can say can carry a lot of weight and make things really difficult for someone who either has a terminal illness or is grieving. And just a quick example is, um, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't say this in certain circumstances, it may be fine, but it can be really heavy. But I just know for me, um, sometimes I would, I would tend to say to someone who's grieving or someone who's gone through a lot, oh, you're just so strong. And while that is meant to be a compliment, that can be really heavy for that person to have the pressure that they need to be strong now. Um, so I think that it's, it, it was a good reminder to me to really think about what I'm going to say to somebody um, who is grieving or who is um, terminally ill and just really, you know, consider what I'm going to say and how I'm going to say it. So um, next question, what are some of your biggest takeaways from any of the episodes? Do you have something from an episode that just well, I kind of, that was kind of my answer for, for the first one, but I have another answer for this too. But do you have a, a, a really big takeaway from one of the episodes? I can start so you guys can think. So one of my biggest takeaways was from the episode when we had Jennifer's, how do you say her name? Zwinnick? Jennifer Zwinnick on. And she <laughs> talked about um, her husband had been murdered and she talked about how she dealt with her grief and how she kind of went, she went way outside of what, um, our society specifically thinks of as normal grieving. Uh, and it, but it was so amazing to me. And I know that everybody grieves differently. Um, but the way she did it was to me just, I was just, amazed she she actually took her daughter her young daughter and went to another country and it wasn't to escape or to you know get away from it was actually she went to go grieve and it was just really um interesting to me and I loved oh my gosh her dad said something so sweet and I'm not I don't I can't quote him but I remember she talked about when she told her parents she was <laughs> going to do this and her her mom couldn't talk her mom was just so worried about her and concerned she couldn't talk. But her dad said something along the lines of, do not worry about what we think, about what your mother thinks, about what society thinks. You do what you need to do for you. And it was just such a huge example of how grieving can be so different for everybody. Um, and I just thought it was beautiful. It was just beautiful. And I agree. I, I, the thing that I, one of the other elements that I thought was so beautiful is one that she came up with that idea too, that she didn't get rebuffed by others and she did it. And um, that she knew it needed to be done and she knew when she needed to come back. And it was just that, you know, at the risk of sounding like she was strong, she, she was embodying um, some kind of strength, um, that personal grace and so on. So I, I agree. That was really a beautiful um, evening. 
And didn't she go back to a place that was something special for her and her husband? Yes. You know, when I and when I heard that the first time when I um had her on my podcast, my first reaction was I could not do that. Mm-hmm. I would go there and I would weep for days, months, years because I wasn't with him. But she went back there to be closer to him. And I'm so glad that one of the things that we talk about here is not to judge, not to second guess why somebody is doing what they need to do. Um, And you're right. It was a beautiful story that, um, you know, I think many of us need to hear. (laughs) I've been touched by each of us has at one time or another brought in poetry that resonated for us or articles that resonated for us or um and i have really loved that as an additional element so not just our voices but other voices sometimes from other traditions because i think that you know grief lands at the heart it affects everything and it lands at the heart so when we can look at other texts and other things that people have said and really pinpoint what was it in that poem, in that story, in that whatever that hit our hearts and why. And we've done a certain amount of bringing forth these things for people to take a look at, which were maybe not perspectives that they had ever thought of before, maybe not perspectives I had ever thought of before to be um, reflected on and actually expand our experience of what grief is beyond our own selves. And I think one of the things that's so powerful about a podcast like Grief Belief is that. Yeah, I think about how when I am scrolling through social media and, you know, somebody has lost a loved one and they will post, just post and post and post um, memes, graphics about grief. And just, it's almost like you're just searching out how to put into words what you're feeling. And um, it kind of, I think that's something that we, that we just need, we need words for what we're feeling and we don't always have them. So it makes me think of what you're saying, Allison. Okay. It's important for people to understand that grief doesn't happen just when we're losing somebody or just when we've lost them. You know, we might think that, Hey, I've got, you know, I've gone a long ways and, you know, I'm comfortable. And then all of a sudden you either watch a movie, you see a flower. Um, This past week when I was doing uh, services online for the high holidays, I was fine up until the end of Saturday morning service. And I looked around and here I was in my office watching something on the computer. I didn't have friends and family around me and I felt empty and I started grieving. I was grieving for my parents, 
but I was grieving for the loss of all those things I had all those years that made me comfortable. And you just wonder, why was I okay for the two hours of the service and now the service is over and I'm sitting here wanting to cry? Hmm. But I accepted it. It was okay. It was something that I needed to experience. It makes me think of what we were just talking about before we popped on here um, that, you know, I went for several years, not really remembering the anniversary of the, the death of my, my baby um, who would now be 21 years old. And all of a sudden on his 21st, I was grieving and I didn't, couldn't figure out what it was. And I realized that's what it was. And that whole idea of just, why does why do things happen when they happen it just it, grief comes out of nowhere so it feels like it comes out of nowhere sometimes um so yeah okay you guys ready for the next question mm -hmm. okay so this one's easy i think <clears throat> how have you changed over the past year well doing this podcast how has this podcast helped you to change Um, I would say I'm more willing to say no to things. So I had, um, September 10th was the seven year anniversary of my husband's death and my mind forgot and my body got sick. And then shortly after that, the following week, someone contacted me on Facebook and said she had just heard that Dave died and started going into very detailed questions about how he died, pancreatic cancer, and and tell me more about that, and go into it, and what exactly happened. And I went along for a little bit because I thought, you know, she she must be shocked and she must be grieving. She just found out. And then she was asking really intrusive questions. Well, was was his was his death connected to his bad habits when he was younger and this, that, and the other thing? And I was getting angrier and angrier and angrier. And at a certain point, I said, this conversation is over. No. I am no longer willing to have this conversation. I am done. And I was literally that blunt. But I think one of the things we've talked about a lot on here is it's okay to say no. It's okay to set boundaries. It's okay in the places where you, you hurt to not let people keep poking you for their own comfort. And I think that's something I've really learned or underlined in this last year of these conversations. I feel like I have something sort of similar, not the same, but similar um, that I think I've learned or largely learned from being on. And that is just to worry less and to enjoy more because life is short. And I, even though I think I've heard that my entire life, being on this podcast has kind of underlined that for me, I think, um, this past year. So I feel in a similar way. 
Allison. So what stands out for me now that you asked the question is, you know, I've had specific training in grief uh, recovery and, you know, I was very happy with that, felt it was very effective. It was, worked for me. It's worked for others that I've taken through the program. But being on this podcast and being responsible for coming up with topics and things and being responsive to what we think our listeners might be interested in or need to know has made me curious and um, aware. I'm, you know, I'm constantly scanning the horizon for a topic or a concept that I may hear about, that article I found in the New York Times um, and, you know, about how doctors break the news to a patient. And, you know, I hadn't thought of it that way. I certainly deal with a lot of terminal um, people. Um, and it, I'm thankful that it is keeping me open and aware uh, to be looking and scanning the horizon for other things to be th thinking about in a in deeper, um, more sensitive way. So what the podcast has done for me, first of all, I want to thank all of you, including Carol, who's not with us today, for coming on board because there was something that was gnawing inside of me that said, this is something that we need to talk about. It was something I needed to talk about, but I didn't feel that I was the vessel that could carry it, especially carry it alone. And by being on the podcast, searching my own soul about grief um, and thanking Christy for taking me through her program, not once, but I'm on it again because there are there are people in situations in our life that we sort of have packed away. We've said, okay, we're okay with that. But we're not. At least I wasn't. And um, understanding that there is there are programs out there that can get us through this. And so I looking forward to another year of learning more and helping more people. That was my next question. What are you looking forward to <laughs> the second year of um, grief belief? So Carol or Karen's already answered that question. Um, I mine is very similar. I am looking forward to guest speakers and I am really looking forward to just the additional top. There's so much we can talk about. And so I'm just really excited to see what topics we come up with in the in the next year. What about you guys? Allison, Candace. Um, I I would like to um talk about um global grief. So grief grief of um these uh grief about climate change in Montana, this group of kids who brought a suit that they're entitled to clean air and clean water and a, a beautiful land and one. And, and so all these things that are going on that people are grieving, talk about um, kids being scared to go to school, talk about parents being scared to send their kids to school. These are all grief topics 
talk about the targeting of Asians or Black people or, you know, these are all global grief events. These are all events of pitting people against people or people against things that they care about, that are passionate about. Um, and I would like to go there at some point in the next year and talk about that because I think that's a huge area of grief that we don't talk about. And it's not, it's not an us against them. It's a, what does the future hold? What are our hopes and dreams? And what might we be grieving because we think they might not come to pass? Interesting. Candace? Um, would you repeat the question, please? Yeah, what are you looking forward to in the next year? I'm looking forward to more learning. Um, and if I were to pick a particular subset of grief, the topic that I would really love to explore just to be more mindful of it is estrangement and the, and the spectrum of estrangement from being guarded to being fully estranged, either being the person who has felt the need to estrange and um, the person or persons who have been estranged from um, someone else. And I know that Christy and I have had this conversation before in another setting. And um, it's just something that I, I want to understand it better, understand what the resources are for it, because there's not a lot of resources that are readily apparent. Um, I know because I've tried to help some clients find them, and some of them only came about recently, even though they've existed for a while. So I just think it's a topic that needs to, you know, in our um, social media society, we're, we're actually growing apart in many ways, not closer, or at least more shallow. Um, in in our how strong our connections seem to be, so anyway, that's just my particular thing. I'm looking forward to to knowing more about. Yes, I love that. Something very close to me. I think for um, a lot of us, more than we probably recognize. Yeah, I think that that's I've been finding too is that it's very common, way more common than I had any idea. Um, okay, so my last question is. Do you have any questions to ask us, any of you? Or were there any other thoughts you wanted to share before we jump into the death deck? What are we gonna do with the death deck is my question. <laughs> about this. So for um, our listeners who have not heard me talk about the death deck, um, it's actually a, a card game, a game that you can play. Looks like this. And again, they are not paying me. I just love this game. And you can play it as a game. You, um, We're going to not play it as a game only because you guys don't have a death deck in front of you. If you did, we could. Um, but you can play it as a game. And what you do is each card has a, has a statement at the top. And um, then it has three options. So if you're playing it as a game, the person who goes first would pick a card read to themselves what this top statement is, read all the options, pick in their mind which option closely fits their what they would say, 
Then you go around your group of people. Um, they read the statement at the top out loud and the three options. And then each person has to guess what that person would say. Um, and then the person reveals, once everybody has guessed, the person reveals what their answer is. And whoever guessed their answer gets a point and you play up to whatever number you know you want to. Um, and we've played it with our family and it's so much fun. And you learn so much about your people in your life. And you learn a lot about yourself. Like it makes you think about things in a, in a setting that's not scary um, and talk about things that um, you might probably wouldn't. Most people don't just sit around talking about deaf things. Mm -hmm. So it does like cause you to think about things and learn about yourself and about, you know, your loved ones. So um, it's, it's really fun, but instead of us playing it that way, since I just have the cards here and you guys don't, um, I'm just going to read the, the topic and then read the options. And we're just going to go around and you're going to tell us, are you A, B or C? Um, and then some of them are silly and some of them are really serious. So um, the first one, if we're ready to go, um, and I'm going to, Karen, since you're in my screen, you're right at the top, I'm going to have you go first. So this is the question. Um, talking about dying and my mortality, A, reminds me to appreciate life and the time I have. B, isn't my first choice, but I do contemplate it at times. Or C is literally the last subject I'd care to discuss. May I be excused now? My answer Go ahead. is yeah. A. A. So talking about dying and my mortality, it reminds you to appreciate life and the time that you have. Absolutely. Okay. Um, Allison. Also A. A. I kind of figured. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and candace what was the second one um isn't my first choice but i do contemplate it at times no it's a a me too i kind of figured with you know us being what we do but i just want to kind of give the listeners an idea of what the questions are like um okay the next one is um and allison i'm gonna have you go first this time Growing up, my family dealt with death, A, by talking openly, sharing feelings, stories, and dark humor, B, in a no-nonsense sort of way, shit happens, move on, or C, keep it all bottled up and avoid any discussion. C. C, growing up, my family dealt with death by keeping it all bottled up and avoid avoiding any discussion. Yep. I think that's very common. Um, yeah, the year my brother died, nobody mentioned his name oh. for three months. Oh, it's so hard. Candace, what about you? Um, we didn't, hey. I thought you, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, A for me. A, by talking openly, sharing feelings, stories, and dark humor. Yeah, it, four times a year, my parents would take us kids to the cemetery and we'd make our rounds you know this is great grandpa he came from he came from moscow and whatever the stories were and then you know oh over there is an aunt and so now when i go back to visit my parents graves 
I know where all these people are. I know what their history is. That's really cool. Candace, what about you? It would be C. We didn't have a lot of deaths in our family. I, I come from a small family, but when it happened, um, we tended just to get on with life. Yeah, I think um, for me, mine's somewhere between B and C. I think we kind of fluctuated between the two. Um, a no-nonsense sort of way, shit happens, move on, and keeping it all bottled up and avoiding any discussion. Probably closer to C. Um, but I also think like if you're playing this game, like that's so important <clears throat> to know where you came from and because it's going to explain to you why you behave the way you do now. Mm -hmm. Um, so, okay. Next one. Open caskets. A, help me get some closure with a uh, final meaningful goodbye. B, are fine if it's what the family wants. Or C, kind of creep me out. I want to remember the person in their living state. I'm going to start with you, Candace. It's B. I mean, to each their own, whatever their um, approach needs to be. It's not something I would want for myself, but um, I, I can understand other people's need for that and honor it. Karen? Um, I certainly don't want it for myself for a complete, like anybody, but if my family feels the need I would accept that. Um, I wasn't allowed to go to a funeral until I was 18 years old. And even at that funeral, I wasn't allowed to see my grandfather. Um, it wasn't until three years later when my baby niece died at three months old that I was expected to go to the open casket. So I I think it has to be a personal choice on both ends, but I prefer people remember me the way I was. Um, wouldn't be my choice. I'm probably between B and C. Um, my When my brother died at 23, it was an open casket and I touched his skin and um, what they do makes people look real. And it was, it was when I knew he was dead, but it was not a knowing in a way that was like a part of life. It was a, I don't know how to explain it. He was so cold and so not alive. And so not like part of a cycle of life, lying in the coffin with, you know, white satin around his head in a, um, so not for me. Absolutely not. And it, at the same time, 
it made real that he was dead. Yeah, I, um, I'm between A and B. Um, so A has helped me get some closure with a final meaningful goodbye and um, open caskets are fine if it's what the family wants. So I kind of feel the same way. Whatever the family wants is fine with me. But I will say that when I have gone um, to funerals of, of loved ones who are closer to me, it was really helpful to me to see them um, and just be near them. So it did, it did help me. I, with my grandfather, I remember, um, I was probably like 19 or 20 and I was really surprised. I didn't want to leave. I didn't, I just stayed and stayed and stayed. I just wanted to be by the casket. I didn't want to leave it, but it was really helpful to me. So, um, yeah, I think that I'm somewhere between A and B. Of course, I think the family needs to do what the family needs to do, whatever is most comfortable for them. But um, it was helpful to get closure. So you can see how this game would be really cool to play with your loved ones to find out what they think, what they want. Um, okay, can I add a little postscript? Yeah, I'm going to do more, but yes. Yeah, it's just quickly... So I have to deal with this issue a lot in the work that I do as a lawyer, and we have memorial instructions and everybody can describe what they want. And so one of the first ones that I, when I was including this as part of the conversation, was an elderly man. He was terminal. He knew he was going to die sooner rather than later. He was explicit. He wanted an open casket. He wanted to be in a tuxedo and he wanted his zipper down. He would not tell me what that was all about. I never did find out what that was about when he died. There was another woman who had um, her husband um, before he died. He died quite young in their 30s, but he had purchased a fur coat for her and she loved it. And then she gained a bunch of weight afterwards. And she said, damn it, I still have that fur coat. I'm, I want to be buried in it, even if you have to cut the back just so that it's on my shoulders and it looks like I can fit into it. So you know, these are little legacies that, that you can leave um, just in terms of um, how you, you, you know, said your final goodbye. And it's the family embraces those things. So I never did hear that backstory on that first one, but um, everybody was, you know, tittering about it. You know, he, they did it. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't check that personally, but that's what I understand. <laughs> yeah. No, my mom is now talking about wanting to be composted yeah, and to become earth mm -hmm. for people's gardens. So rather than spreading ashes, which can't be used to grow things, she literally wants to become part of the cycle of life. And so one of the, the really interesting things that's happened with um, death rituals, it was, you know, you're buried in the casket or you're cremated. And those were sort of the most common things. And now there's all different ways that people are uh, making these choices. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which might just, be an interesting topic. <laughs> yeah, it might be. I was just, someone was just telling me about another way of um, not embalming people, but using water. I don't know anything about it, but I found it very interesting. So something else to maybe learn about well, the jewish tra tradition there is no embalming right but you know it's it's interesting you know growing up i never would have thought 
about cremation or any of these other formats. Um, my mother-in-law used to say that she wanted to be buried like an Eskimo. And at the end of her life, when we knew it was the end of her life, she just wanted to be put on an ice float and sent out to sea. And I think she really meant that, although none of us ever <clears throat> done that for her. But she made me think about the fact that being in a casket in a cemetery isn't necessarily the answer for us and for the people that we're leaving behind because they may never get back to that cemetery. Yeah. Okay. They're going to remember us the way they want to remember us. And I've talked to my boys about that. They're never probably going to live in the same city. They're probably never going to live in the same city where I am. And so they're going to take their memories and hold them close. Well, and I think it proves the point of those cards, Christy, that, you know, this opens up a conversation. Who would know some of these things, if, but for the these prompts? Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really fun. And it does, it kind of, it, it's kind of light, you know, mm -hmm. it's not mm -hmm. heavy. So it's, it's fun. Sometimes it gets really silly and then sometimes it gets really serious. Mm -hmm. um, so it is really cool. I have a couple more. Do you want me to go ahead or do you want to? Yeah. Okay. Um, if you give... If you give a choice to watch how others grieve, wait a minute, let me try. If given a choice to watch how others grieve you at your funeral, would you? <clears throat> a, yes, that would be an amazing experience. B, I'd try it, but if they get too sad or suspiciously happy, I'm out. Or C, no, it would be crushing. Let me read it again because I didn't do a very good job. If given a choice to watch how others grieve you at your funeral, would you? A, yes, that would be an amazing experience. B, I'd try it, but if they get too sad or suspiciously happy, I'm out. Or C, no, it would be crushing. Allison, you want to go first? None of the above. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I... None of those are true for me. Okay. Um, I, my husband was such an active ghost that I would probably just be hanging out and watching. Um, but it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be crushing. It wouldn't be, I wouldn't be super happy. I mean, um, seeing people I love to be sad or be however they are, you know, because that wouldn't have the physicality to comfort them. So I would think I'd find that irritating. <laughs> none of them. None of them. <laughs> like that. D. D, none of the above. We'll none of the one. above. Okay. <clears throat> Jumping the track. <laughs> Candace, what about you? I think I go with D as well. I mean, one, I don't know if anybody would really notice because they do have a small circle of acquaintances. Um, and I have a very, very small family. I mean, four, yeah, four people <laughs> besides myself. Um, and I probably will outlive most of them. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I... 
I don't need that. I don't even know if I want it. I, I kind of would prefer to just kind of slip beneath the surface and, you know, maybe someday somebody might notice something, but that would be it. Not the norm, I don't think. Karen? I'd rather have these people tell me now while I'm alive. Um, and I remember my father saying that. He said, um, tell me now how you think about me. Don't wait until I've died and stand by my coffin and, and tell me. And we knew for about oh, three months that my dad was dying. He was in hospice. And every night he would call us. He would call each of his kids. We weren't allowed to say anything about death or dying but we were allowed to say something that we liked about him, my mother, or our relationship. And I didn't realize how beautiful it was until the night my mother called me to tell me that my dad had passed. And I had talked to him six hours before then. Um, and so that's, I don't want people standing around talking about me. If they're going to do that, they're going to do that. But um Tell me now. That too. Cool. All right. Well, I'm B. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm in the cards. Um, yes, I would try it. But if they get too sad or suspiciously happy, I'm out. I've already told them I'm going to haunt you. Like, you're not getting rid of me. I will be all over you. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's where I would land on that. Um, so maybe this should be our last one looking at the clock here. Um, the best death for me would take place a at home, B in a hospital or C while doing something I love. And then they put in parentheses, wink, wink. I guess we could use our imagination. <laughs> I think I would want to go in a hospital so there would be less fuss and muss. I just, I know what it's like for people to discover a body at home or um, those kinds of things if the death isn't expected. And um, same rationale applies to doing something I love that, you know, at least this way, um, some of those unpleasant decisions are already built in. I'd like to say that I, I would want it to happen while I was doing something I love, except for the fact I probably would be with someone or someones that I love. And I don't want them to remember that last time. Um, but I don't want it to be in a hospital. I would want it to be at home. Um, for me, it would be either at home. So my husband died in my arms at home or, and it was, uh, heartbreaking, but it was also one of the most beautiful transformational experiences I've ever had or doing something I love. My brother, uh, rode in a horse race, came in third, fell off the horse, went into a coma and died. 
doing something he loved in a place he loved more than anything. Either of those are pretty good ways to die, I think. I would have to say A, B, or C are fine with me. I don't, I don't really have a preference. Um, if I'm in a hospital, as long as they're giving me drugs and I'm feeling okay, <laughs> that's okay with me. Um, I would probably be most comfortable at home, but any of them, are, it's fine with me. So there is also another way to play this. You can actually just, uh, they have just cards with just questions on them and you can just in a group discuss the cards. Um, which I was going to do, but we're out of time. I was going to do some of those too, but we're out of time. So um, in light of what Karen said, and as a grief recovery method specialist, we are taught this. We actually go through training and they do uh, an exercise with us about um, the reality of how we don't tell people what we feel about them and how important that is to do. And it's a very powerful exercise. I'll, I'll explain sometime that they do with us. But in light of that, I just want to tell all three of you and, and Carol, if you're listening, like, I just appreciate you all so much. And I'm so grateful for each one of you and to be here with you and grow with you and learn from you and, and to the audience out there listening too. I'm grateful um, that they're listening and that, um, you know, sometimes they, they write into us and grateful for that. And so I'm grateful for you all. And back at you. You did a wonderful job as a podcaster today. Yeah, right. We love you for that. Welcome back again, Allison. We're glad that you are back, even though things aren't totally settled, but it's life, <laughs> you know, life isn't settled. And Candace, as always, um, you make me do a lot of thinking, and that's a good thing because, <laughs> uh, I don't know, sometimes I think that... Uh, I'm a little stale, but you keep me on my toes. So I appreciate all of you. And again, we hope Carol is recovering and we will see you all next month. Take care now. Bye, everybody. No.